Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. I think McConnell versus MAGA is, uh, is, really is the way to put it. Mitch McConnell versus Donald Trump. Not a particularly new or consistent dynamic, but one that the war in Ukraine has pushed out further into the open. You know, this has been a long time coming ever since really Donald Trump came on the scene and started talking about America first and how we need to put our country first. I'm Annie Reese. This is Politico Dispatch. My name is Andrew Desiderio. I cover national security and foreign policy on Capitol Hill. On Saturday, Joe Biden signed legislation that sends another $40 billion in U.S. assistance for Ukraine. Last week, Andrew sat down for an interview with Mitch McConnell to talk about the GOP leader's visit with President Zelensky in Ukraine and the 11 Republican holdouts who didn't vote for the aid package. Mitch McConnell is trying to show that, hey, uh, you know, I right now I am the most important Republican serving in Congress, right? Mm-hmm. Donald Trump is on the sidelines. You know, he obviously has his big megaphone and he has a lot of influence within the party right now. But Mitch McConnell is trying to show that, you know, he has influence too, in particular on this subject, uh, where he is frankly very well versed and has been at this for, for a lot longer than Donald Trump has. So on the show today, Inside Mitch McConnell's Strategy, to tamp down the pro-Republican isolationists in his party by working with Joe Biden. There are very few issues where Mitch McConnell and Joe Biden have found themselves on the same page. Uh, But this, of course, is one of them, if not the biggest. Uh, Mitch McConnell has long been a supporter of NATO. He's long favored expanding NATO. And he's long favored supporting young democracies like Ukraine that are sort of under the gun of aggression from Russia. Mm -hmm. And they both right now have a unique interest in stamping out these more isolationist or nationalist, whatever you want to call them, voices within the Republican Party which are kind of making it harder for both leaders to uh, to, to execute these plans. Mm-hmm. And Leader McConnell told me that he told Biden he wanted to really push back against this isolationist sentiment in his own party. Um, and Mitch McConnell told me that Biden responded to him and said, you know, that makes sense. And that, you know, you this is something that you should do. So I think it's really important to uh, to highlight that as well. Yeah. What was Mitch McConnell's goal on his recent trip to Ukraine? Was it really kind of about showing this very strong front from a Republican leader? Yeah. So what Leader McConnell told me in our interview uh, last Thursday was basically that he wanted to go to show Zelensky and to show really the rest of the world that Republicans, by and large, do feel the same way that Democrats do when it comes to supporting Ukraine at this very pivotal moment. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it came at a time when more Republicans on the far right, including some more activist groups, and of course, former President Trump, were coming out against the Ukraine aid package that Mitch McConnell really wanted to get uh, through the Senate as fast as possible. So this was his way of really sending a message on that front. And you know, he's he's really confronting those those voices in his party more aggressively now than he used to. Yeah. Well, yeah, certainly now than he used to when President Trump was in office. Does the Mitch McConnell wing of the party here, the sort of non-isolationists, have more leverage on this issue? How does the power dynamics play out on this? 
Well, on Capitol Hill, at least, Republicans are by and large united on this front, right? There are these outlier voices, like the 11 in the Senate who voted against the aid package, and then the Mm -hmm. 57 Republicans in the House who voted against the aid package. Most of those people were influenced by the arguments made by President Trump and the arguments of fiscal conservatism, which is basically that it doesn't matter what this money is spent on. We shouldn't be spending $40 billion when we're, you know, however many trillion dollars in debt. The point that folks like Josh Hawley and others on that far right flank within the Congressional Republican Conference are making is that, you know, they believe that their position is more in line with that of the Republican voter base, um, which is interesting because you have Leader McConnell who's pushing back on that and saying, no, you know, our position, meaning the position of most Republicans in Congress is more in line with the general public and indeed within uh, the Republican voter base. Now, you know, polling data has been pretty sparse on this issue. But over the years, Donald Trump has had a very big impact on swaying Republican primary voters on these topics. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, what Donald Trump calls America first, calls it nationalism sometimes. This idea that we should focus on addressing problems at home before we should be shoveling money abroad. Um, And that's what's animating a lot of the opposition to this latest aid package. Definitely. And I think in some ways we're seeing more opposition than we might normally because of the midterms. I'm thinking of like Missouri Senate GOP candidate Eric Greitens, you know, like a very common talking point, as you were saying, is sort of comparing the 28 million in baby formula shortages to the 40 billion for Ukraine. There's sort of these constant comparisons. Yeah, well, you know, if you look at candidates, too, like J.D. Vance, who's the Republican nominee in Ohio, and you Mm -hmm. look at uh, Dave McCormick, who might be the Republican nominee for the Pennsylvania Senate race. I mean, these are prominent voices coming out and echoing the more Trumpian arguments about this aid package. And I, I asked Leader McConnell about that, and he basically said, look, campaign rhetoric is a lot different than governing. You know, he said people say things on the campaign trail to try to win votes, but it doesn't necessarily portend how they're going to vote when they actually get to the Senate. Um, you know, that's that's the way he's sort of dismissing this right now. Um, but I think it's true what Josh Hawley says, which is that there are more and more Republicans in the base, at least, who do not agree with Mitch McConnell, who do agree with Donald Trump and Josh Hawley and those far right voices when it comes to the best way to advance U.S. national security interests abroad. Now, I will mention that, you know, one way that uh, these two groups really do differ, um, you know, the most significant way possible mm-hmm. is this idea that we should be devoting this money to, to pushing back against China. We shouldn't be using it uh, for Ukraine because mm-hmm. China is the longer term problem. Now, you, you hear Mitch McConnell and others, including in, in my interview with him last week, He said, look, this aid package for Ukraine is a way to push back against China because it's showing China that, hey, this is the way the United States stands up to authoritarians around the world. And this is, you know, what we as a country and we as an alliance being NATO are going to do if, for example, China were to try to invade Taiwan. So, you know, they're really more directly confronting these arguments from the America first crowd. And I think that's what makes this moment in time so interesting, where you actually have them debating substantive policy and saying, no, you know, if if you really want to confront China, this is the way to do it. Not not by, you know, not helping Ukraine. Right. I feel like most congressional leaders right now feel that Congress has been, uh, you know, 
has really abdicated its responsibilities over the years when it comes to foreign policy and national security matters. I've written about this a lot in the context of efforts to repeal uh, old and outdated war authorizations. For example, the war authorizations governing the Iraq War, the Afghanistan War, the Gulf War. Mm. There is a broad sense among members of both parties that Congress has not done enough uh, in recent decades to really assert you know, their viewpoints and you know, try to shape U.S. foreign policy. And this has been a way for congressional leaders to really affect that change and try to change the course of history by doing so. Last week, the Senate passed this aid package for Ukraine. There was never any you know, doubt that it would pass. It was just the number of Republicans who would vote against it. What are you watching out for in the coming weeks on this issue? This is McConnell's bread and butter, for lack of a better phrase here. Um, mm-hmm. And he's trying to show his dominance and his influence in the party on this. And that's why he's really trying to downplay the fact that 11 Republicans voted against it, because as he told me, it could have been much worse. After he saw Donald Trump come out against it, he worried that, you know, it could be a lot more than 11 uh, that, that that vote against this. So uh, so he views this as a win. But at the same time, he is really trying as hard as he ever has to stamp out that more isolationist wing of the Republican Party. Mm -hmm. One of the big questions is going to be whether yet another aid package is going to be necessary. Mm -hmm. You know, $40 billion was a ton of money to shovel out the door for this conflict. It was more than even President Biden had asked for. You'll recall that he only asked for uh, $33 billion, and they ended up plussing it up to $40. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see if the administration sometime before the end of this fiscal year, which is September 30th, uh, will ask for even more money. Most lawmakers seem to think that this is the last real effort on this before the midterm elections. But depending on how this war goes and, and what happens over the next next few months here, uh, it might be necessary to, for Congress to vote on yet another package, which I think could uh, further underscore these gulfs within the Republican Party, this schism you have really over the extent to which we should be spending money as a country to support Ukraine, you know, to send a message to Putin and at the same time to China. So, you know, that that's what I'll be looking forward to. And I think, you know, a, a lot of this will be viewed uh, through the lens of the midterm elections in terms of, hey, how did you vote on this? You know, people who support this effort will say, you know, where were were you there for Ukraine at their time mm-hmm. of need? You know, were you there when we needed to push back against Vladimir Putin and make sure he didn't, you know, continue committing these atrocities throughout Ukraine and, you know, vow to do so throughout all of Eastern Europe? Um, so that's going to be really ad- an animating issue, I think, uh, in, in the days and weeks and months ahead. Andrew Desiderio, thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you. Also in the news, President Joe Biden has authorized the use of Air Force planes to combat the infant formula shortage. On Sunday, a military plane carrying 78,000 pounds of infant formula arrived in the U.S., the first of several flights expected from Europe. Today's episode of Politico Dispatch included music composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Be sure to follow Politico Dispatch if you haven't yet, and if you can, leave us a rating and review. It helps more people find the show. I'm Annie Reese. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>